say hello to Floyd Little and Jim Brown, Sean Tucker in the orange record books with his fifth touchdown of the game. All across CNY. Keep the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. It's the 315. Hardy faking face the crease. Davis again. He scores! Here's Brian Higgins. Hey, everybody, welcome in on this Thursday afternoon in the Qs. Be safe out there. I guess it's going to get a little little slick as the afternoon continues on. Keep you updated with our uh, occasional glances out the window. The official weather report of the 315. Every now and again, we look out the window. How about this? Just drive a little slower. We'll all make it through. We're glad to have you in here today. Lots to get to on this uh, Thursday. As there always is, oops to talk about. We're still we're gonna we're gonna beat the hell out of the same topic we've been beating the hell out of all week long, with new facts and figures. Turns out the the Hall of Famer brought up uh, the exact same thought I'd already written down. I don't I don't really have any way to prove that I wrote it down before he said it on the air, but you're just gonna have to believe that that's how it happened. We'll hear a little bit from uh, what Jim said an hour ago on Orange Nation coming up. In a little bit, guests on the show today, we'll be talking uh, the Buffalo Bills with Dan Fates from Wham! in Rochester. That will be at 3.30 on uh, the program today. Will DeMar Hamlin be at the game for the final scene of uh, this movie? There's going to be a movie about this. I don't know if it's going to be a good movie, but there's going to be a good movie. I think I think I got it cast uh, pretty well. well. We'll sort that out. Uh, later, but uh, my goodness, can you imagine the scene if uh, before the game or for the coin toss or who knows what, like Demar's out there at at midfield doing doing whatever, just uh, there at all would be uh, just a wild stuff, wild stuff. So, uh, you know that that's how the movie ends. Will it happen in real life? I don't know. In real life, I know this: they're playing a football game, and it should be one heck of a football game. Between the Bengals and uh, the Bills uh, this week, that is Sunday afternoon at uh, 3 o'clock from Orchard Park. So we'll talk to Dan about that at uh, 3.30 today. If you want to put a few uh, few shekels on the game, maybe uh, maybe pick something other than the spread. Right now it's Bills 5, 5.5 that's been growing uh, during the week. Most recently I saw that uh, most of the picks are on the Bengals. Most of the money is on the Bills. That means the big money people are driving the spread up on the Bills. Which means that a lot of us are maybe about to be wrong. Feels like it's going to be a close game. The big money says uh, otherwise. But uh, uh, you you don't need to just bet on the spreads or anything this weekend. I mean, it it is an NFL divisional round weekend. There's a million, bajillion, gazillion prop bets out there. Like If if something's happening in one of these games, uh, you can lay some coin on it. Uh, and we will talk to Ariel Epstein about that. She is the prop queen uh, now of Points Bet, previously of Yahoo Sports, has uh, started a new position with the new year. So we'll talk to Ariel about that, see what kind of uh, prop bet she's got her eyes on for this divisional round weekend with four games. And she's always good for a few NBA ideas. I'm sure she's got eyes on uh, whatever is going on in the association tonight. So we'll talk to her about that at uh, 3 o'clock. So uh, that is coming up in the second hour of the program today, our two guests on a today's show, I brought up on yesterday's show. Well, the news dropped yesterday afternoon. Nothing is still uh, official yet, but uh, 
Chip West, one of the Orange uh, assistant coaches, uh, the word is reportedly, well, likely, most likely, probably uh, be on the move to Wake Forest, which is, again, you had a vacuum, who cares? So one is football assistant coach moves on. Is it the end of the world? No. Is it close to the end of the world? No. Is that anything to do with the end of the world? No. But it has been a pattern developing here the last uh, you know few weeks. You lose your coordinators. You lose uh, your lead recruiters from two of your main uh, recruiting bases in Florida and the DMV. It, it is problematic. At least it feels like it's problematic. Uh, we'll, uh, we, we went down a little rabbit hole this morning that turned into a big rabbit hole with lots of clicking. Rabbit holes always have lots of clicking these days. There's clicking and there's Googling and there's more clicking. Uh, but we'll, we're going to kind of analyze uh, the general timetable of how Dino Babers has filled his staff over the years. Because right now it feels late in the game. Uh, but in the way that Dino has handled it, is it? We'll get into that coming up at uh, 2.30 on the program today. But we start with the biggest news in all of Syracuse. Should Judah Mintz have been on the basketball court during the basketball game? Should Judah Mintz still be on the team? Should Judah Mintz still be allowed inside the city lines of Syracuse? Should Judah Mintz still be allowed in New York State? Should Judah Mintz still be allowed in the United States of America? Do we need to evict him from the planet and perhaps send him from the moon? Is the moon too close? Should he need to go to Mars if he wants to play basketball again? Because that's what the last couple of days has started to feel like. On It wasn't a nothing play. It was the last play. The Orange had a chance to win the game on Monday night where uh, Judah ended up uh, running into a double team and turning the ball over. But my goodness, the referendum on this one play feels like this one play is being talked about more than any Syracuse basketball play since I don't even know when. Like, it's a decade since I can recall a, a play being discussed as much. Wasn't there something wonky at the end of that, like, Dayton NCAA tournament game 80 billion years ago with Tyler Ennis? Wasn't there something weird? Uh, this this is going back to 2011 at the end of the the. Scoop Jardine over and back, not over and back tournament game against Marquette. Like that a, a, a play has been so dissected like ad nauseum. This was a Monday night regular season game in January of which the last play of the game didn't really cost Syracuse the game. The 10 minutes prior cost Syracuse the game. But people have lost their minds over it. And, uh, well, losing our minds. That's what we do best when it comes to uh, Syracuse basketball and uh, this time of year. But, and we'll hear what uh, Jim had to say about uh, something similar, Jim Beheim, coming up in uh, a few minutes in the next segment. But what, what I did today is I took the end of the Miami game, Monday, loss, Judah, turnover, and the end of the first Notre Dame game back at the beginning of December, win, Judah, Made basket. Loss, win. Win, loss. So, back at the beginning of December, Judah had what was one of his poorer games statistically of the season. Nine points, four of ten shooting, only had two assists, played 38 minutes, didn't really do a lot. It was a Jesse Edwards, so it was Jesse had a monster game. But, 
Then, with 14 seconds left to go in the game, Judah went and redeemed himself with a game-winning basket. Had a poor game, was on the court late, made the game-winning basket. Judah on Monday night, three points, one of seven shooting, six assists, did turn it over five times, struggled there 31 minutes, turned the ball over in the waiting seconds. Similar scenarios. One time he won the game, one time he didn't. Well, what if Judah had not been on the court at the end of the Notre Dame game, in which he wasn't playing that well? And considering that, much like on Monday night, that Saturday afternoon in South Bend, back at the beginning of December, the actual play call on the final play, neither time appeared to be designed initially for Judah. Made the play that time, didn't make the play this time. But this time, we want him shot into the sun. It's the same thing! Shot into the sun worse than being sent to Mars. The other difference in the two scenarios, like the one major difference in the two scenarios is that this one played out as a live ball scenario. The Orange used their final time out of the game against Miami with about a minute and a half to go, a little less. And that was the last time they were able to sub in the game until after this turnover happened, which left Judah, Joe, uh, Justin Taylor, Benny Williams, and uh, Jesse Edwards on the court. What Jim Beheim was able to do at Notre Dame is that there was a timeout right before that to, to set up the situation. And then there was timeouts. Well, it wasn't a timeout, but they Orange had fouls to give after uh, Judah made the game-winning bucket in that game a few weeks ago, or more than a month ago now. And Jim was able to sub for defense, leaving, and ironically, Judah in the game. He took uh, Joe Girard for guess who out of the game. Samir Torrance. Put into the game situationally late on. Has been done. Not not thought of. It also uh, put Benny Williams back in that game as well for defense. And then it was John Bola Jock who made the game-winning play late. So yes, when the situation calls for it, other people will be on the floor at the end of close games. Two games. End game scenario. Give or take the same. Same guy involved both times. One time ball goes in, one time it's a turnover. Sometimes, folks, it's just that simple. Sometimes it's just that simple. Like, I think both times they wanted to get it to uh, Gerard. Gerard was covered. He was certainly wanted to get it to, to Joe the way he was playing on uh, Monday. He was, he was doubled. The last time, you know, they got it into Jesse and a little slick back up by Judah right to the rim, and the Orange took advantage and scored. A very heady end-of-the-game play by a freshman in Judah Mintz. Well, this time he made a freshman play. Didn't make a veteran kind of play. Made a freshman play. And that's all it was. Does that mean he, he, he shouldn't have been on the court? Shouldn't be on the team? Shouldn't, shouldn't be around? Yeah, he wasn't playing well. He wasn't playing well the other time either. And he still won the game. And you know what that is? That's the sign of a good player. Because... When, you know, average players aren't playing well, you know what they don't do? Make the last shot. When good players aren't playing well, they still can make the last shot. They still have the belief in themselves to make the last shot. That doesn't mean they're going to. It doesn't mean they will. But it still means they want it. 
When you're an average player and you're not playing well, do you really want the last shot of the game? When you've stunk all game, do you really want to cap it off with another one? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. Now, you know, should he have done something else with the ball late? Of course he should have. Like Joe was being double teamed. He got double teamed. Somebody had to be open somewhere. He needed to pass the ball, and he didn't. Yeah, he screwed up on the last play. And that's it. Like, that's the whole sentence. He screwed up on one play. Didn't play well, screwed up on one play. All right. Now, with that, we'll put the topic to bed, at least for a few minutes, until we hear what uh, Jim Beheim has to say about it. But you know what? There are other topics in the sporting world. There are other topics in the sporting world. David's on the phone. David wants to talk about the Cowboys. That That is not even the same sport. David, welcome. Well, what's on, uh, what's on your mind today? I just want to say I think the Cowboys really do have a legitimate shot to beat the 49ers depending on what team shows up because I'm a diehard Dallas fan, and we are have been very inconsistent. But if we see the team that played last night, there's absolutely we're going to have, have a chance to win the game. There's no doubt in my mind we will win the game if we play like we did last night. Now, if we played like we did against Washington, no way. And my prediction for the Super Bowl is Cowboys-Bills. I want to know if you agree or disagree. Uh, I, I No, I don't think the Cowboys are actually that good, but David... Uh... Thanks for the call. I think the 49ers are going to I think the 49ers is a safer quarterback of the most uh, complete team. I guess that's all the answer he wanted. Uh, the most complete team in football. And I think they're going to go out there and lose. And Dak's probably going to throw a couple interceptions because that's just what happens. I'm also a Giants fan. Do you think I'm picking the Cowboys? Screw that. We don't pick the Cowboys around here. Sorry, Dave. We're not picking the Cowboys. That is the official stance of the show. No Cowboys. Anybody else but the Cowboys is the official stance of the show. Like, the Giants are playing the Eagles this weekend. I'd rather the Eagles win the Super Bowl than the Cowboys. Uh, But no, the Niners are really good. We'll go through all the games uh, on the show uh, tomorrow, as we always do on Friday. I think it could be a really good game. Like, if the Cowboys play like they did on Monday night. And, you know, maybe Brock Purdy starts showing a little signs of being the last pick in the draft. But yeah, I think it. Uh, I think that could be a good game. I think they all potentially could be good games. Obviously, the blowout game is supposed to be the Kansas City game, but those games uh, have a way of going kind of squirrely. The Chiefs usually do something weird, don't they? Like, oh, we're down by 38 points. Oh, we won the game. You never know with that. And I'm, I'm concerned about the Giants game, but uh, we'll see. We'll see. It's fun that there is a Giants game this weekend. Fun to be talking of the four games we got this weekend. Two of them are the teams that we talk about the most and talk about every day, every week, all year. We will be talking Bills later in the show with Dan Fates coming up at 3.30. Could the Cowboys win? Yeah, sure. Uh, Will they win? I don't know. Do I want them to win? Absolutely not. But the Niners, aside from quarterback, which is a really dumb thing to say in the way the current NFL goes aside from quarterback the Niners have the best roster in the NFL and I don't think it's particularly close and that is a really significant caveat aside from quarterback Brock Purdy has never lost an NFL start not one is he going to go undefeated and win the Super Bowl from midseason on it is a rookie season as the last pick in the draft well speaking of making movies we're already making the DeMar Hamlin one uh, that would be a movie as well With that, we'll take a break. We'll get back to the NFL later in the show. Dan Fates joining us at 3.30. Well, maybe a little NFL uh, betting thoughts. Any any prop bets from that Cowboys game that Ariel Epstein has her eyes on? We'll ask her at 3 o'clock. We'll go through all the games 
Uh, then, immediately next, though, uh, Jim Beheim's thoughts seem to be in lockstep with my thoughts about uh, Judah Mintz end of games. We'll get to that uh, when we come back. Glad to have you all along here on a Thursday afternoon in the Qs, in Utica, in Rome, in all of central New York, or wherever you may be today on QSportsTalk.com. We're back after this. It is QSportsTalk.com at ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is the 315 with Brian Higgins. Coming out of my cage and I've been doing just fine. Gotta, gotta be down because I want it all. It started out with a kiss. I did it in a black dance. It was only a kiss. All right, rolling along here. We, we were settling some stuff for the break on QSportsTalk.com. You don't, you don't want to miss stuff like that. QSportsTalk.com. What we talk about in the break, and nobody knows. But it generally stays contained there. So you got a few minutes to get back. And so we continue our uh, our various rabbit holes on uh, that end of things. So we're rolling along here today. We've talked some Q's hoops. Table that discussion for uh, now. There'll always be time to talk more Q's hoops later. Q's in Georgia Tech. Nooner, Saturday, televised regionally throughout the ACC footprint. Know your networks. Yes, network here. You know what else is here? Pre-game show, Axe, 11, post-game show, me, two-ish. That's what we got coming up uh, this weekend right here. Listen to the game down the hall, around the corner, TK99. Up your dial. We got you covered every which way on uh, Saturday. We got you covered on the show tomorrow talking about uh, the Yellow Jackets. Man, does anyone really know anything about Georgia Tech? They beat Miami. You know you know another fact about Georgia Tech? Their head coach is Josh Pastner. If anyone knows like a third fact about Georgia Tech, you're just showing off. Uh, we'll talk to Randy Waters, who is the color analyst for the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets on their radio broadcast. Alongside uh, Syracuse alum Andy Demetra. That'll be uh, our show tomorrow. Andy will be on Orange Nation tomorrow. So we got you covered uh, every which way talking about uh, the game uh, tomorrow on the show. Jordan is sneaking in here with a piece of paper. I, I don't know what he's doing. It's, it's like very bad sneaking. I have Georgia Tech facts. He, oh, jo- you have Georgia Tech facts. That's defeating the purpose. Here are some key nugget stats to look at. We're going to look at those later. Here are some key stats to look at. The first one is GT beat Miami at home. All right, I knew number one on the list. Then there's other there's other things. They have a losing record. Anyway, we'll talk about Georgia Tech tomorrow. It's a road game in the league. That means it's tricky regardless. What we're going to do right now is talk a little Syracuse football. The Orange don't have as many coaches right now as you're supposed to. Is that normal? Is it not normal? What do we got? I don't know. We'll find out. Once again, Brian goes down a rabbit hole. Very important date. No time to say hello, goodbye. I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. Be very, very quiet. I'm hunting wabbits. This time, I'll just go into the bushes over there, make a lot of noise, and flush out a rabbit. Hello? Hello? It's me, Miss Rabbit. Help! Curiosity often leads to trouble. All right, we are down the rabbit hole, and we've gone down the rabbit hole of Syracuse football because assistant coaches gone or leaving or 
somewhere in the process of gone and or uh, leaving soon, maybe probably, we think, reportedly, multiple reports uh, that Chip West, yesterday we told you this, he's the Orange cornerbacks coach, uh, that he's on the way to Wake Forest, which is, you know, I don't really know Chip from a hole in the ground other than that he's been here for four years. He has been a defensive assistant the whole time, and best I can tell, the main reason that he was hired was, you know, the football coaching is one thing, but he was a uh, the lead recruiter in the DMV, D.C., Maryland, Virginia. Like many times over the years, he's bounced around as many assistants do, but he's he's very often high on list for top recruiter in the ACC. This and that. Like the Mid Atlantic region is a re- huge recruiting base for the ACC. It is not one that when the Orange were in the Big East that they used like a ton. They used it, but it was not a primary recruiting base. Like back then, we, we talked Northeast and Florida. I mean, going back to Coach Mack, we went to Florida for speed. And boy, did they get it. And, you know, with the Swag Daddy last week, moving on to Minnesota, we talk about losing an assistant that's your lead Florida recruiter. Again, can Nick coach some football? Yeah. But, you know, what's the primary attribute? Florida recruiter. So now you're down your Florida recruiter, you're down your mid-Atlantic recruiter. Those regions can connect a little bit. You don't have to push that far uh, through the Carolinas, and uh, you've connected the two. And the Orange recruit there now as well, obviously. Like, you had to move into the mid-Atlantic and into the Carolinas when you're in the ACC. It's a no-brainer. You just have to uh, go into those regions if you're Syracuse because you're going to go down there and play a lot. That's, that's how that works. If the Orange were in the Big Ten instead, for whatever reason, like if things had shook out that way 12 years ago, then I'm sure Syracuse would have a a lot more players from Illinois and Wisconsin and whatnot. And obviously Dino Babers has gotten guys from there because that is, you know, part of the area that he'd built up when he was at uh, Bowling Green, which isn't that reason. But as we uh, head down the rabbit hole today, so here we are. It is January 19th. Now in my head, it feels late in the game for this many coaching transactions on a college football staff. In my head, anyway. Whether that's true or not, I didn't know. So, Dino was named head coach on December the 5th of 2015. Since then, and this is not including his... Well, this is including his initial staff. Well, since then, so including his initial staff... He has hired 23 assistant coaches and still needs to hire three more before next season starts. So, man, January 19th, shouldn't this be wrapped up? I realize the guy reportedly just left yesterday, but don't you need your staff together? You're working on recruiting, spring ball, yada, 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 all this stuff. There's stuff to do. Agendas, meetings, things. Well, it turns out that aside from his first staff, I think even technically with his first staff, none of his first staff was actually announced until January. And again, uh, the way things are done at Syracuse, there's oft a gap between when a guy like actually agrees to be the coach and when things are made official, 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 and said out loud. So maybe stuff has happened even now that we don't know about. But only twice in Dino's time here, as he officially hired an assistant coach in December. 
it's kind of blew my mind. Usually your, your transactions to move on from somebody happen very early in December if you're going to let them go. Now, this case the last week is different. This was not uh, Dino letting Chip nor Nick go. This is them leaving upon their own accord, as far as we understand. Only twice has Dino ever hired an assistant coach in the month of December. It was Rocky Long uh, this year, and the special teams coach, Bob Ligashevsky, last year. And besides the 2018-2019 uh, offseason, a.k.a. the year after his best season, where he signed an extension and brought back everyone, there was no turnover on that staff. The only time that Dino has had his staff for the next year wrapped up before February was his first year. Uh-huh. That kind of surprised me. I just figured, you know, by now, here we are. Uh, the next signing day is two weeks from yesterday. That, like, you know, well, don't they got to be out there recruiting or something or, you know, doing football stuff or whatnot? I guess not. At least the way Dino operates. How this compares to other schools, I don't know. Because obviously other schools are making hires right now. If they weren't making hires right now, there would not be these openings. We would not be delving into this because those guys would just be here. Or this would have happened, you know, a month ago. Should we panic about it? Well, we're all apt to panic about everything. But timetable versus what you need. Timetable versus what you need. My biggest panic with it right now is you need somebody to recruit Florida that is a full-time assistant coach. They aren't have... The way it works is you're allowed the 10 coaches on the road, whatever it is, and you know if you have assistant coaches that take other jobs and you're down, you know football staffs are the, the assistant coaches and there's eight bajillion other people that are analysts or recruiting this or this and that or whatever. You're allowed to designate still the same amount of people that can go out and do recruiting stuff. So Syracuse has people out there doing it, but you'd rather have your full-time guys that are going to be coaching these guys doing the thing out there doing the thing. And Syracuse doesn't have it right now. I'd say it is more of a concern, best I can tell, of what Syracuse is currently lacking on its staff, and that is a lead recruiter for Florida. That's important. And a lead recruiter for the Mid-Atlantic, the DMV. Important. Very important. You know the guy that just went to Ohio State, Jihad Carter? You know where he's from? Virginia. Sean Tucker, Baltimore. Marlowe Wax, Baltimore. Like, you need to recruit the DMV. And you need people that know. Like, recruiting's a weird and funny business, but it, it is a relationship business. Now, it's changing a bit with NIL. But more than anything, it's a relationship business. Especially at, like, the three-star level. It is just a mishmash at the three-star level. There's eight million guys. It's hard to tell this from that. How, how are you going to stand out to them? Are they going to stand out to you at that level? It's because you know a guy, and he's going to vouch for him or not. And now the Hornets just lost their two guys that knew the guys. But is it too late? And this one popped to me, and hopefully this will provide some solace, and hopefully it will provide some correct solace. Who knows? The latest that Dino has ever hired an assistant. was March 27th, 2017, the latest in a year. Like, that's deep into it. I don't know where they started spring ball uh, that year, but usually Dino's like a a do-it-early kind of guy. 
Like they're doing a lot of their stuff in March. The spring game is usually early April. The latest Dino was hired at assistant was March 27th, 2017. If you're going to go like shortlist, all right, who are the best assistants that have been through here? Like a Sean Lewis, he's out there with Coach Prime right now. You know, you know, we'll have the swag daddy, Nick Monroe. Like, I think people are excited with maybe what Jason Beck has done with with Garrett Schrader. People like Robert and I, at least for a while. <laughs> opinions opinions kind of turned on that a little bit midway through the season. But, you know, think of the short list. Of, all right, who are the assistants that you thought were good under Dino? Well, if he's not number one, he's close to uh, on the list over the years. Justin Lustig. Special teams coach, kind of bounced around different positions. He was the guy. He was the late, latest hire. So what I can tell from Dino during the hiring process for these assistant coaches is that he values in his mind, best I can tell, this is me evaluating Dino, evaluating assistant coaches hiring for Syracuse. It's a multi-level evaluatory process. Very important to Dino, I'm sure that he values getting it right in his mind over doing it fast. Now, are you losing something by not having people out in the road over the next couple of weeks recruiting and trying to, you know, maybe get one more guy or evaluating the portal or this, that? Yeah, you're probably losing something. But it feels like in Dino's mind, he thinks he's getting more back later. But especially now, two years left on your contract, a brain drain for sure this offseason, OCDC, Maryland recruiter, Virginia, D.C., Florida recruiter gone. That's a brain drain on the field and off the field. Brain drain in schematics and recruiting. It's just fun to say brain drain. These are hires you have to get right. Have to get right. And while I think Rocky Long, like actually X's and O's, coaching up the defense, home run hire. You wish it could have been tied to keeping Nick Monroe. You'd wish you could have done both. Well, now you've kept Jason Beck. You need another offensive coach to fill that spot. And now you need people to coach up your secondary. Both your D-backs coaches are gone now in Monroe and West. Your secondary has been the star of the defense now for the last four or five years with lots of different players that have both been coached up and recruited well from those areas specifically, Florida and the DMV. It's a gaping hole in what you do right now. So these are, think, well, how significant is it? You lose one coach? Well, it's very significant. You put the staff back together. Reading uh, Stuart Mandel's weekly uh, mailbag on The Athletic yesterday, and I forget what school he was talking about. It doesn't matter. But in one of his answers to you know one of the many, many, many questions that he gets is, in his mind, like maybe the most important thing a college football head coach does these days is assemble his staff correctly. And that means different things in different places. Sometimes it means having great development coaches or great recruiters or, you know, great coordinators or whatever. It means different things in different places. But it's a very important offseason, it feels like, for Dino to get the right guys in those spots, to maybe attack recruiting properly going forward and, you know, replace what you lost here because you lost a lot off the staff this offseason. It's... The third offseason where the Orange have changed four coaches under Dino, so it's not unprecedented. The second straight, so it's a lot of new, and it feels like it's a really important run 
uh, for Babers to get right this time around. So just a little football thoughts today as we go down the rabbit hole. We'll take a break now on this hour brought to you by William Matar. Call William Matar at 444-4444. Come back to wrap the hour. Prop Queen Ariel Epstein starts the next hour at 3 o'clock. Dan Fates talking pills from Wham in Rochester at 3.30. Rolling along here today, it is the 315 on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. All across central New York, it's the 315. Here's Brian Higgins. Here I am rolling along. 315. Thursday afternoon, talking a little football. We got we got your that was a, a good list of prop bets there from Ariel Epstein. I'm terrified of Boston Scott. People, all he does is score touchdowns against the Giants. If you watch the Eagles play other teams, you don't know who Boston Scott is. Like he doesn't exist. He's not a real person. Against the Giants, he is the best player in the history of the National Football League. But anyway, before we get to Dan Fates coming up at 3:30, it's time for this. Here's the 411. Hello, and welcome to Movie Fun. If you know the name of the movie you'd like to see, press 1. <laughs> oh, wait, you're serious. Let me laugh even harder. In the 315. So you're going to be doing that all week, right? Nah. Oh, yeah. It's time for the 411 in the 315. That's it, hey. Yeah, Josh is here. Josh, how are we doing? What's going on? What do you got? What's We're here happening? to talk more ball. I mean, it's the playoffs. It is the playoffs. What else is there to do? To talk we love about the playoffs. Who doesn't like the playoffs? I'm coming at you with a different angle, though. Okay. You just did some props, but there were there are props that are close to my heart that get in touch enough, so I wanted to bring them up more here. Okay. I'm a big anytime touchdown scorer guy. Okay. I love betting Boston anytime Scott. touchdown scores. I, I <laughs> plus three ninety. Really? Yeah. I might have to do that. Mm-hmm. Not to break your heart there, but yeah. I might have to do that. I, I, as a Giants fan, I recommend it. What I wanted to do, though, is I want to go with you game by game, kind of look around the board on anytime touchdown scorers and see uh-huh. who is going to catch your eye. So we'll start with the first game on the board, the Kansas City-Jacksonville game. Mm-hmm. My, my favorite answer for this one is now it's not good money anymore because it keeps happening, but it's Jarek McKinnon. Because the dude... Minus 110. Yeah, he... He scored. What is? He's had like nine receiving touchdowns since the start of December. It's it's, it's stupid. wild. It's wild. But yeah, you know, and uh, or it's just going to be whoever pops out of whatever weird circle Andy Reid does on the field this week for whatever play. But yeah, I mean, it, the problem is there. It's not good odds. But uh, right, McKinnon's anyone with Kansas City is not going to be good odds because they're going to score no. seven touchdowns. Yeah. So who's going to score a touchdown for the Jaguars is the question. Looking at Travis Etienne's minus one twenty five. What's what's Kirk at? What's our guy, Chris? Kirk is plus 155. Another name I usually go to for the Jaguars, Evan Ingram. Yeah. Plus 225. Had a nice one last week. I'd lean toward, uh, I'd lean, yeah, Ingram. Former Giant. Yeah. He's he's good now. Uh-huh. It wasn't really. Shocking, right? Well. He made a Pro Bowl with the Giants. He, no, <laughs> here's what I'm not shocked. I mean, the main thing, and I, you know what? I bet he would have been great with the Giants this year because he would have had proper coaching. Right. He now has proper coaching. Like, he was never lacking talent. Yeah. Let's fi- fire up some Evan Ingram. All right, we'll, we'll go with Evan Ingram in this game, plus 225. Yeah. I, like gonna, him, I like him and Kirk. Here's the what I'm the Jaguars do. will score, but maybe late. They're going to score. Here's what I'm going to do, Brian. I make a anytime touchdown score probably like every NFL week. I've okay. hit a few of them throughout the season. I hit one last week. I'm going to make mine right now. We're going with Evan Ingram for that game. Okay. Now let's go to the Giants. Boston game. Scott. We're going Boston Scott. Well, 
Yeah. Last week I went Isaiah Hodgins. He's been doing well I, for me the last month or so. I was I, thinking I, Hodgins, but if you want me to go somewhere uh, else, I will. I, I'd say like, I mean, Scott, he has scored an all but one career game against the Giants. Um, Plus three seventy. What, what's uh, what's Brown at? What is Brown at? Let's see. I mean, obviously, uh, minus one hundred five. Yeah, I mean, like if you want a, a, a very serious answer, like the, I mean, Adore Jackson is back. That changes the calculus a bit. He missed both of the Eagles games. Um, the the he's hard to cover. He is. What what's Hertz at? Hertz is minus one twenty. He okay. is the biggest favorite on the board. All right. Uh, yeah, I'd which say, I find surprising. I, I'd say Brown, but you know, if you if you want the if you want some good odds. Boston Scott. Boston Scott. I'm uh, taking the I, shot. I, I will say this to you. As much as he is like, oh, he's their late game mop-up guy, it's true, but it's not. Like, the Eagles, you don't know who their goal line back's going to be. Right. Like, it's, oh, Miles Sanders is in the game. Oh, he vanished. They went to, he took him to the one. He's not in the game. Like, Boston Scott can score a touchdown in this game in the in the first quarter. It wouldn't be the stupidest right. thing ever. All right, so we're going to go Boston Scott in this game. Yeah. We, right now, we got God, I hate Evan Ingram. We got Boston Scott. Let's move to the this Bills game. This is very game. giant space. This, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I have a thought on this game, but I want to know your thoughts before I take mine. Okay. Bills, Bengals, anytime touchdown score. Bills, Bengals, anytime touchdown score. Jamar Chase is one name. If you're uh, gonna make me pick against the Bills, yeah, I obviously, would rather not. Yeah, I know. Well, um, I'm, I'm thinking. I mean, he's been just unbelievable of late. What's his number? Jamar Chase is at plus one twenty-five. He was also in my parlay last. Week. What's James Cook? James Cook is why don't I find James Cook plus two hundred five? Yeah, going with Cook. I like Cook. Okay, but did who was your thought? My thought was Dawson Knox. Mm. He's got a lot of touchdowns. Recently. What's he? He's a lot of, plus one eighty. Mm. Yeah, Knox. That that freaking throw that Allen threw the touchdown to not one of the best throws of the year. Like it's stupid. Like it shouldn't have been allowed. He's unbelievable. I don't know what how he did that. He like surgically attached it to Knox's hand. Wild. Like I, yeah, but I I kind of like Cook here. Going Cook. Yeah. All right, we'll go Cook plus two hundred five. So we got we're already at plus forty five hundred, and we still got to mm. pick someone from the Cowboys Niners game. Yeah. Do we want to go with some chalk here? Yeah. Or do we want? Well, what's Zeke? Zeke is plus 145, but there's, in my opinion, much easier chalk to go to. Uh, McCaffrey is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Minus 150, which this, is, here's is the, stupid, Here's the but. stat I saw today. Now, this is, you know, you, you can have your anytime touchdown score or your first touchdown score. Mm-hmm. I think it's eight times this year, I think is the number I saw today. Zeke has been the first touchdown score. That's crazy. Eight. That is crazy. That's half their games. <laughs> That's ridiculous. So if you want to make your parlay really stupid, you can do three anytime. Plus anytime's first touchdown yeah, score. Yeah, I'd say if you want a really stupid one. That's 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 a, a, that's a little much. For the, my the, blood. the problem is, I think the other teams, the better teams. So what'd you say, McCaffrey was minus one fifty, and what? then with some other Niners, we got Debo what, plus Debo plus one forty, Kittle's plus one fifty, Ayuk plus two ten. What's Mitchell? Uh, plus three forty. Mm-hmm. Brock what? Purdy plus four seventy five. Did did Mitchell get hurt again last week? Or did he, no, he didn't get. No, he scored a touchdown so. last week. He scored. The mm-hmm. other name I like plus nine hundred. Kyle Uzcheck. Uh, oh, it could be a use check game. You never know what a use check game is going to come up. He's going to be like, oh, I had four touchdowns. I'm Kyle use check. I, you know, mm. Mitchell. Mitchell? I'm getting Elijah know. Mitchell. We're going plus 340 real deep. The Niners do that, man. All right. I'll he, do scored a, he scored a receiving touchdown last week. Makes no sense. All right. So we're going. Like, I think McCaffrey will score a touchdown. Like, if you want the easy one, but if you want some crazy odds, you're uh, telling me here. What am I taking? Oh, I'm telling yeah, I'm telling you, Mitchell. I told you, Mitchell. Mitchell and Bo- right. I got you, Mitchell and Boston, Scott. Right. You're so screwed. So we got here's what we got: 
Evan Ingram yep. in the first game, mm-hmm. and then Boston Scott in the second game to close out our Saturday. Yeah. That's two hits. When we go to sleep Saturday night and we're going to Sunday, uh-huh. we're going to need James Cook and yep. we're going to need Elijah Mitchell. If I put $1 on this bet, I would win $204. All right, yeah. I, I like I like this as a $1 bet for you. You're betting I think more, we're going to go for it. You're betting more than $1, aren't you? I think you? we're going to go for it. We'll <laughs> see. Right. Man, now I'm nervous. Good segment. Now I'm nervous. It's not even my money <laughs> yet. Whew. Yet. I'm glad you said yet. That makes me feel a lot better about this. Boston Scott. He's our nightmare. Yeah. He had the three-touchdown game once. That's too many. Well, we'll turn the nightmares into our dreams if we bet on it and he scores. Boston Scott. Emotional head. Yeah, yeah. No, I've given you a crazy one right there. That's uh, Is that smart? No. It's but, always smart. Yeah, but for a dollar, like it's fun. Maybe. Until Ingram doesn't score a touchdown. That's just not fun at all for the rest of the weekend. All right. Oh, we're late. we got to hit a break. That is our that is our anytime touchdown score or parlay. Brought to you by nobody. Brought to you by our just insanity over the last 10 minutes. Uh, we'll take a break. Uh, Dan Fates, Bills, Wham, Rochester, next. QSportsTalk.com, ESPN Radio.